Marin County is a very, it's an important story that we need to tell and we need to check in with Marin County. Marin County uh, is, you know, the home of the mountain bike, you know, the, the clunkers, everyone, everyone knows the story of Gary Fisher and Joe Breeze and Otis Guy and Charlie Kelly and Alan Bonds and all these guys out there modifying bikes and, and uh, riding Mount Tamalpais and uh, it, it was freedom then. They could ride every trail, every road they wanted to. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Vernon Huffman is our guest for episode 49. Vernon has played a key role in securing more access for mountain biking in Marin County, California. The work Vernon has done has been an inspiration to myself and I'm sure anyone who has been in the trenches fighting for more mountain bike access on trails and dirt. The fight for access is one that will likely go on forever. This episode is a good reminder that we will always need to be working on access for mountain biking, even when things are going well. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. When we talk about no bike signs, what does that do for you? <laughs> Generally speaking, I think there's, I, I do think there's a fine line of where there probably should be no bikes, but generally speaking it was actually no bike signs that got me involved in in mountain bike advocacy i learned to ride in 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 college at cal state university chico a lot of rock gardens there really you know you're throwing into the fire there if you don't learn you you just give it up but um went on i was a seasonal park ranger for years and got to work in the in the southwest cool places like Glen canyon national monument Basically, you can point your bike in any direction and ride, ride slip rock, and it's pretty exciting. Not uh, not a lot of prohibition on it. But when I moved back to Marin on one of my uh, seasonal layoffs, I was a I was a nine month seasonal. I came back to Marin where I had um, you know, girlfriend was living, so I decided to settle here. I'm from Sonoma County, just to just to the north, but uh, came to Marin and and started uh, riding. Uh, Mount Tamalpais, given Marin being the home of the mountain bike and uh, Mount Tamalpais being one of these places that the uh, clunkers were out in the late 70s, early 80s. They were out there testing their their hybrid Schwinn's uh, with their you know customized features. They, they tested them out on Mount Tamalpais on the downhills and such. And uh, so I wanted to also stay fit. So I would, uh, the highest peak in Marin County is Mount Tamalpais at about, uh, 2,500 feet. So that was a good goal to build up to. And, and once I was climbing Mount Tamalpais on my route, I, uh, on my workout, I felt that was a, you know, it was a pretty big goal that I had achieved. And, and then I could start exploring on from there. But, but what got to me was fire roads, you know, they're good for the workout, but they don't, really challenge you to use your your balance skills your bike handling skills the bike you know obviously the mountain bike uh has developed uh, has progressed to be this amazing capable machine that you know can do so many things and fire roads aren't the uh <laughs> it doesn't stop there so I was, I was noticing that the trails that seemed a little more attractive to me where I wanted to go challenge myself, every single trail had a no bike sign. And, and I kind of, it just confused me. I, I thought, 
wow. Um, and there weren't a ton of people up there and there, there still aren't. I mean, the, it's a pretty large watershed. And, and when you get a couple miles from a trailhead, you don't see a lot of people. And so it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And that's when I started researching, you know, what is, what's the deal? What's the problem here? And I learned about our local organization at the time. It was the Bicycle Trails Council of Marin. And I, I learned that, uh, you know, they, they were involved in this stuff. So I uh, went to my first meeting and met those, those locals who were um, also not satisfied <laughs> with the fact that all the single track had no bike signs on it. So that, that, uh, that was my, that was about 1993. And uh, things just took off from there. Well, we're already into the first two topics that I had for us to discuss, but you said one word in your story that really piqued my interest. And it's a word that I use regularly when I talk about no bikes, which is prohibition. And I compare mountain biking and the banning of mountain biking to prohibition and how it just didn't work. And then the fallout that came from it, which is rogue trails, social trails, stuff that just isn't, is less than desirable. Right. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, when you, when a policy is developed that goes against the grain of such a large segment of segment of society, it's inevitable that that that, seg- that segment of society is going to have it, its its own path forward. And you know, similar that's a great analogy there with prohibition. You know, that their path forward was to disappear into the woodwork into the woods and uh continue on with with something that that was not going to go away in this case mountain bikers did retreat into the wood, woods and there's an interesting story that that came out of this when i was in the early 90s when i was just getting familiar with the with the terrain and and the political climate and what you know, who would, who would, why was why and who was doing something about it? I uh, noticed that there was a, a front page paper in the Marin Pennant Journal. And this must be about, I think, I want to say it's about 1994, 1995, where a trail was discovered deep in the municipal, Marin Municipal Water District lands. And the trail was named, uh, there was a sign for the trail named the Paradigm Trail. And this, this, became a huge event where the the builders of the trail had uh, made a point to sign it and say that this was a representation of a new paradigm where bikes could coexist on trails uh, by you know going deeper into the wood, woods where they they had less chances of uh, running uh, uh, interacting with uh, historical users the uh, hikers and the equestrians and they could build a sustainable trail, which which that trail um, was and actually is, and, and they could show that it would work. Unfortunately, you know it 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 was spun quite out of, out of you know it, it it went out of hand. It went out of control with the spin, where mountain bikers all of a sudden were now doing you know environmental degradation by picking up their tools and and moving dirt and trimming trees and so the you know we have these conservation organizations in Marin who have opposed opportunities for mountain biking and and that just gave them a lot of fuel for their fire and a lot of um quotes you know juicy quotes for them to really disparage mountain bikers interestingly enough that trail still exists the the Land managers have tried to close it probably no less than 10 times over the years, maybe more. And uh, consequently, <laughs> side note, they, they, the, one of their techniques to close this trail is to cut large trees and drop them on the trail. Larger trees then were cut to build the trail. So it's, it, the, we turn this uh, trail wars, you know, we, we call it trail wars and we, you know, we talk about it. We say, look, if we could, come to agreement and, and just accept the fact that bikes are going to, they don't get an opportunity. They're going to create their own. So let's end the war and let's, get, let's develop a truce here and figure out how to, how to coexist. 
that has happened in other uh, in other areas of Marin, but we're still in a difficult place with the Marin Municipal Water District. Yeah. Well, let's get into your backstory a little bit. I know you have a pretty unique profession that helps you talk about this stuff in a more professional manner and from an environmental way. Let's talk about what you do for a living and outside of your advocacy and access for bikes. Well, thanks. Um, I uh, was was uh, I went to school in natural to in natural studied natural resource management and recreation administration as a park ranger for for nine years with the U.S. National Park Service. I was a seasonal employee, and at the time there was a the federal program called affirmative action, which uh, made it a little challenging for me to get some of the jobs that I was um, going after. But uh, when I came back to Moran, I, I found some other opportunities. Long story short, I uh, landed at Dominican University, where we have a, a program here called NORSDUC, which is the National Ornamental Research Site at Dominican University of California. We, this is a USDA-funded program to deal with animal health. There's there's special money set aside uh, in the farm bill that the USA USDA allocates for plant diseases. So they landed that program here at Dominican, where we have an acre of nurseries. We have two sites here that I manage. I manage all the facilities for the nursery, and I monitor plant health at the nursery. Basically, we study soil-borne plant pathogens. One in particular of interest out here is called sudden oak death, where we're losing some of our heritage live oaks and causing a lot of concern for land homeowners that have these trees in their yards. So we are studying the pathogen uh, Phytophthora remorum specifically by uh, infecting plants with the disease and then studying how that the disease uh, travels, how the disease impacts the plant and how it travels. So I work with researchers from Davis, uh, Berkeley, Oregon, Washington. All, all of them have uh, research plots in here. I help them uh, set up their, their research and then I monitor their work and send them uh, information over time, over the time of the, of the experiment. It's pretty interesting work. It, it, it um, gives me a, a background in, in plant health, plant disease. And then when I'm out uh, on, on my bike, I can apply what I've learned here and kind of gives me more of a, a good, good knowledge base for when I see impacts, for when I see plant health and, and disease in the forest. And I think it gives me a leg up in terms of our efforts to mitigate, you know, impacts of trail use. For sure. Let's get into uh, access for bikes. Mm -hmm. Because that is a Marin-based organization, correct? Correct. Although I think it could be something that could be applied nationwide, if not worldwide. But let's get into the why it was created. Yeah. Access for Bikes was created um, back in 1999. It was created by uh, a group. Uh, I was not yet involved. It came a couple of years later. But the, the group at the time, they were members of the Bicycle Trails Council who felt that that there needed to be a more political strategy for for mountain bike access. We there was the knowledge that most of our land in Marin, the the uh, the county and the and the water district land, were managed uh, ultimately by elected leaders. There was some concern that things weren't going well beyond just you know no bike signs. There was an actual proposal here, effort uh, by uh, the DA's office here to make tickets for illegal bike use. Uh, right, they were currently an infraction on, on a, you know, as, as legally speaking. And there was a proposal to make them a misdemeanor. And this group of individuals basically, you know, weren't, weren't okay with that change. And, uh, and there was, a, there was a, there was uh, also efforts on Mount Tamalpais to close fire roads. <laughs> In addition to the trails already being closed, there was talk of certain fire roads closing down. And so this group decided that they were going to form a new entity, and that was Access for Bikes. They formed it as a 527 political organization. And that really 
defines us and differentiates us from most trail organizations. Again, uh, the these these lands were managed by elected officials. So by forming a five two seven political organization, the effort was to go straight to the top and get involved in political campaigns. So there was an effort to identify candidates for office, whether it be the board of supervisors or the board of directors of the water district, to identify the leaders that had an ear for bike access and an open mind, most importantly. Once those uh, potential candidates were identified, then, then we put our efforts into those candidates by helping them both financially and with the legwork needed to, you know, campaign for them by calling voters and knocking on doors. So that since 1999, that's, that's been our, our effort and it's been hugely successful. Uh, we've now worked for every, we've worked on every campaign of the current board of supervisors. We, uh, and we're now we're, getting very involved in the Marin Municipal Water District Board of Directors. And uh, we are that that board needs change. Uh, there's there's members of that board that have been on uh, elect been on that board for 27 years. And they are stuck in some archaic management ways that aren't good for diversity. And they're not good. They're, they're not very well versed in current management of recreational resources. So um, we're we're trying to create change there. Now, seven years ago, we after I had, I had been involved for a period of time on the board. Seven years ago, we decided that that political work that we were doing all those years was effective, but it was also creating um, some friction with land managers because political work um, is uh, unfortunately can be divisive and and leads to to friction if you're not you know, aligned with the, the same um, people, the same philosophies. So in an effort to depoliticize some of our work, we decided to form a, fi- a traditional 501c3 and we formed the Access for Bikes Foundation. And what we modeled here was good old Sierra Club. We, we took a look at the Sierra Club and we said, how can the Sierra Club be a, how can you get a tax write-off when you donate to the Sierra Club? Yet, how can the Sierra Club have a, a sandwich board sign uh, on the on the lawn of your neighbor that says "so and so" for board of supervisors? And you know, because you can't a five hundred one c three cannot make political endorsements. And so we looked at that real carefully, and then we found that uh, Sierra Club had dual status as a five hundred one c three nonprofit, but also as a uh, political organization, whether it was a C four or five two seven. And then we, we said, well, then we should also, you know, create that dual status. And we are access for bikes. And if you go onto our, our website, you'll see that we do uh, explain the delineation there. And when you make a donation to our organization, you have to choose the non-tax deductible political donation or the tax deductible um, foundation. And, and so we've done, you have to be very careful, you know, with the, how you set that up and the banking and the, and the tracking of those donations, which we are. But uh, founding uh, with the foundation, it's been really helpful because we, that organization, separate board of directors, strictly focuses on trail stewardship. And our focus is on our relationships with land managers, our relationships with property owners, and availing ourselves uh, with a toolkit of resources. So we, we have our own trails team. We have our own trail tools. We have our own, um, you know, experience in, in trail maintenance and, and, the, and the proper etiquette trail standards that we follow. And we bring those to the land manager. In some cases, we might be strictly at their uh, supervision where we're just laborers and they, they explain, you know, what the, uh, project is, and we just show up and work, and and they love it. And it's it's interesting when you show up at those work parties. How many mountain bikers you you count around the room, and you look, and you're like, wait a second, nineteen out of twenty of us are mountain bikers in this work crew. Uh, where are the hikers? Where are the equestrians? Well, um, it just seems to be the way, you know, that mountain bikers show up. And then uh, and then in other cases, uh, 
I mentioned earlier that we were the sole trail stewards for the Camp Tamarancha, which is a wildly popular private property here in Marin County. It's about, uh, I think it's on uh, less than 500 acres where the uh, Boy Scouts of America the, of Marin, the, the local chapter, have um, worked with the bike community, allowed us to build about 10 miles of purpose-built bike trail. And they've allowed, it's all hand-built trail uh, that we started in the mid-90s and uh, finished it in uh, early 2000s. And in, uh, along with the trail system came a, a new uh, entity uh, called the Friends of Tamarancho. And thereby, you become a member if you want to ride there and you pay a fee. It's, it's, it's not, a, not expensive, $45 a, a year for a family. You sign up uh, to be a member and then they are able to message you, you know, with the little the sheet of what they expect from us, you know, staying on the trails, using the bathroom, not the woods, um, day use only, not night use, uh, no dogs, you know, just the, the conditions that they would like to see. So we, we get those. We sign our names so to agree to that. And in return, uh, they get uh, income out of it. And they are able to operate the entire camp more um, sustainably uh, based on allowing you know, mountain bikers to use the property. It's a, it's a really successful model that has been duplicated elsewhere and continues to be. And we, we continually get um, you know, uh, inquiries on hey, how did you do that? And how does it work? And what are the legal parameters? And uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, uh, we're really proud of it. And we're really proud to be the trail stewards there. In fact, we're just coming into our trail build season because we, we can't do much with hard, dry dirt. And, and we wait for the, the rains to arrive. They came early this year, luckily. And uh, so just starting in just two weeks, we'll have in December, we'll have our first trail days. And We'll probably perform 10 to 12 uh, days of trail work. And we, we get great turnouts at these events, 20, 30, sometimes even 40 people come out. Uh, and we, and then, you know, we, it's a challenge. <laughs> we have to have project lined up and crew leaders lined up and tools and materials lined up. And uh, we go, we go for it. And it's very rewarding work. Do you partner some of that work with the Boy Scouts? The Boy Scouts, um, you know, not so much. Um, sometimes uh, the Boy Scouts will identify a, a project like an Eagle Scout project that they need to perform. And once in a while, they um, will do something related to the trails, like build a, a trail uh, support box, you know, with uh, tools and, and tubes and stuff like that. But um, they're, I think, just for, Maybe just legal parameters and such. There, there seems to be a division um, amongst the camp itself and and the mountain bike community. You know, for whatever reason. But the mountain bike community still is able to, you know, proactively help the the camp itself out with with the trail maintenance, the trail building, and the funding. Yeah, we um, we take hundred um, percent accountability, hundred percent maintenance effort we we own it we we don't rely on scouts at all to to do any of that maintenance work needed <laughs> in fact yesterday i also work with an environmental firm to determine priority list of of what we want to do for trail maintenance so yesterday uh i rode out rode there with my um contact uh, with the environmental firm who he's an environmental engineer and he goes out with me, he's a mountain biker, and we, we ride the loop and, and we talk about the maintenance uh, that I'm about to perform for the year. And he helps me with a priority list and says, you know, hey, uh, maybe, maybe this year let's focus on vegetation and invasive species. And we have this area here where uh, this invasive species called uh, French broom, also Scotch broom, are taking over, you know, this trail this knoll of the of the of the property and they're actually choking out some of the native plants so uh that that came up last year where he wanted us to focus on one of these areas of invasive uh, weeds 
So every, I think every trail day we would assign part of the group. We would send 12 people and a, and a crew leader down to this, uh, to this area. And once we had worked it two, three, four, five different work days, we had completely removed, you know, it's hard work pulling, uh, pulling broom with it with this large root system, you know, it's, it, you, you need these metal, uh, leverage levers to do it. You, you put this level le- leverage, this clamp around the plant, and then you pull with all your might, hoping that the thing will give. And then boom, you know, this plant pops out of the ground and, and then you're, you're like, Oh yes. <laughs> and you, you just get pumped up, you know, cause this huge root system comes out of there and you're like, I did it. And you get kids doing that work, which is back saver for, for us, uh, older folk. Uh, you got to have these kids. You got to get those bike teams. You know, NICA has been an amazing resource for us to, um, fill our, some of our work days with some younger, capable bodies. Yeah. That long winded answer to your question, but. Let's get back into some of the stuff you found with access for bike and access in general. Um, where I live, I've often compared our community to what you guys have going on in, in Marin County. In fact, as recently as 2020, we had done a new project and right next to our project was a property owner who put up a sign that said, mountain bikers are the real invasive species. And it was, obviously it was there to provoke some thought on some things, but, and then we also have an ordinance in La Crosse that says, uh, it, it is illegal to ride mountain bikes in, in certain places unless it's signed as such, you know, and you can get a, a ticket. I'm, I'm not sure if it's a misdemeanor or something else, but it's something that came about in the 90s. What are some of the lessons you've learned in tools that you use to kind of turn these conversations around and turn them into a positive and get things going in the right direction? Well, like I said, um, getting, getting engaged uh, politically here has been everything. But not only that, it's um, never missing a meeting. You have to really insert yourself into any conversation where mountain bikes might be discussed. So we've got um, several environmental uh, conservation-oriented uh, groups here. The Marin Conservation League, the Marin Chapter of the Sierra Club, the Marin Audubon Society, the equestrian group, maybe a little less so now. Um, they've quantified our equestrian population at about 0.4% of the user group. So we're not hearing as much from that community, but uh, all of their meetings are are open to the public, these different organizations. And so it's what's become a strategy that um, that I've learned and I teach others is, you know, attend the meetings, you know, and, and in fact, during COVID, attending meetings became actually easier than, than before, where where you could virtually attend a meeting with a Zoom link and be part of the conversation and just being in the room or the virtual room can change the the conversation having a a mountain biking presence and they they know you know who we are they know i mean especially myself being on the board and and others you know they there is a uh, a knowledge that when you join a meeting that oh so and so's here okay um and just that presence really does um, change the direction of a conversation. You, you, somebody might be less likely to just off the cuff start slandering a, a user group when that user group is actually present in the meeting. And that's just strategy, trail access strategy 101 right there. Just be, at the, be in the room. And then... As you become, you know, more versed at uh, policies, at law, and and, envir- and real environmental impact, you can join the conversation and you know start uh, start educating others. They, they sometimes they don't want to hear it, but you know, developing a rapport, developing a, a bit of respect with these groups um, allows you to start um, offering other uh, viewpoints and and. Uh, so, you know, attending meeting number one, two, finding your voice, you know, finding your voice and being able to, um, there's, there's an amazing amount of, of data out there that, that supports bikes on trails. So starting to develop that toolkit, which we've done at Access for Bikes, we, we have a, a resource, a, a toolkit we've put together with a lot of that 
published information that really does make a case, you know, for for access for mountain bikes. So that that has uh, been very effective. Working with our land agencies, you know, we had this huge opportunity, and, and not too many years ago, the Marin County Open Space. They had some new leadership who really understood that there was a unresolved tension in the open space. They, they're rangers running around dealing with bikes and um, people complaining about bikes where they, they understood that the, the demographics had changed. And with a changing demographics, it does really require a change in, uh, or at least a review of your policy to make sure it's still serving the community which you serve. So. The open space went through the process, took about four years of updating their roads and trails management plan. During that process, we were, we met with staff one on one, uh, many, many times to, to look at policies that were problematic, that were preventing change and, and weren't really serving the, the numbers anymore. Part of the work was a new survey. I can't emphasize the, the, the need for surveys. You know, if, if a land manager is, is, um, struggling, you know, with complaints and user groups and, and he said, she said issues, just going out to a trailhead and conducting a, a non-biased survey. You know, you can, you can work with your local, um, community college, your local university. You can kind of channel into some, you know, very science approached efforts that, that, you know, remove bias from these efforts. Stand at the trailhead, start interviewing people, talk to them. You know, why are they there? What is their experience? What, uh, what do they like about the open space? What don't they like about the open space? What would they like to see different in their open space? And these surveys came back to our, our open space district and they were incredibly telling. The, the user groups were different. The numbers of users were different. Mountain bikers had exploded in use and were were barely uh, less than the, than the bike, than the hiking groups. The uh, equestrian use had fallen out, like I said, to 0.4% of the user group. So these, these were incredibly telling and then asking people what they wanted. And the answers were incredibly helpful to the open space and it informed a new set of policies. So uh, there were 16 public meetings. Uh, I think I attended 14 out of the 16 meetings. We had to educate, you know, we had to be the communication to our user group. You've got to have an effective uh, channel to communicate, whether it be your mail, email list or your social media platform. You've got to be able to call out, make the call of duty when these meetings are occurring because, because you have to be there again. You have to be in the room. At these meetings, it was interesting. We were able to populate these meetings with a 50% mountain bikers, in some cases, 60, 70, 80% of the room would be mountain bike community. The conservation community, some of the holdouts that were really fighting hard against mountain bike improvement or access improvements were very uncomfortable with that, you know, chain. And, and some of them, you know, would, would just get louder, but the agency did a really good job, you know, at uh, controlling the conversation and, and um, giving everyone a voice that was there to speak. And then we did a lot of breakout sessions. We break into a little smaller user groups, which helped kind of diffuse some of the, the louder voices in, in the room. And in the end, December of 2014, the plan, the new plan was released. And uh, lo and behold, mountain bikers got almost all of what they asked for, at least in terms of a, a new toolkit, a new toolkit for, for land management. And we got um, things that we had really pushed hard for, which was uh, policies in the, in the tool chest that would allow for time sharing of trails. If you just can't come to agreement on who's going to use the trail, time sharing or directional trails so that, um, you know, you could accommodate different use patterns by, it, you know, say, oh, well, this could be an uphill trail, you know, so that we don't scare people on the down by going downhill. Or best case scenario, at some point, we could designate a downhill trail for bikes. And just that would be the expectation for hikers. You know, this is a downhill trail. Know that. Or we could um, take uh, trails like, let's say we have redundant trail system. 
We could take a trail that uh, was redundant and we could say, hey, user group specific, this one's going to be for bikes or this one's going to be for equestrians. And this toolkit basically put all that stuff in play so that they were there in policy. And now we could take a, uh, an open space and we could look at its, the specific um, demographic and the specific trails and, and we could take the new toolkit and we could say, okay, how do we best do this? It's still rolling out, you know. I mean, in California, we have CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act, that assures that um, you know land development, trail development, and such is is done right and, and environmentally speaking. So these things take time. There's a public uh, process as well as an environmental process, scientific process to get things uh, done right. They take time. They can take. In worst case scenario, they can take two, three, four, five years to get a trail actually on the ground. But it is what it is. And, and they started this. They rolled it out in 2015. Several projects now have, have fully come to, to fulfillment. And we've got new trails. And, and that's happening. Uh, we're about to enter a similar process with the Marin Municipal Water District. And again, I, you know, as I explained, that was my first riding in Marin County on Mount Tamalpais was in the water district. And, and for the first time since that 30 years ago, for the first time now, they are going to review their recreational management plan. They actually, the staff and the board have finally come to the realization that um, things aren't working for the community as well as, as they should. Complaints are up, bikes on trails are up, people are vocal and, uh, you know, complaints and such. And it just, it has finally driven uh, the, the efforts to review that uh, plan. And we're, we've had two engagement meetings so far. Now they're, uh, the water district has an RFP out, a request for proposal for a contractor to come in and begin writing a, writing a plan, a new plan for the district for to to address recreation. Pretty exciting times. There's going to be a lot of um, public engagement. It'll be our job to uh, make sure that our people are are um, informed and, and at the table. And uh, then you know we'll be doing a lot of internal meetings with staff and. Uh, one thing that we like to do in this process is we like to find success stories from different places in our country. You know, not everywhere is like Marin or lacrosse. The, the, we have there are places in our country who've actually, that have actually figured it out and, and people, you know, have learned to share and uh, it, 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 it's effective and it makes it's happier and <laughs> for everyone. And less conflict, and and that's really what the end all that we want. You know, we just want people to be happy. We want people to be safe. We want the uh, environment to also be cared for. And I think we can we can have all of that, but it takes open minds and it takes um, a fair process, and um, it takes looking at other communities. You know, for success stories. Yeah. And I think the whole state of Tennessee is a, a success story. You know, there's a bunch of communities in Tennessee that have really embraced mountain biking. And you see exactly what you just said. You see happier people. You see people getting along. You see different organizations, different government entities, all of it. You know, they're functioning together for the common goal of of having a better community and doing it the right way. But yeah. So one of the one of the topics you discussed with this or a strategy is directional use. And this is something that I have continuously brought up both on the podcast and in my community. What are the successes you've seen from directional use and where do you see needs for that to be applied? Yeah. Well, directional use, I mean, I would, I would frame it carefully. I would say directional use really in lesser populated areas probably isn't even a thing, right? Directional use comes into play with, when you have more, more user groups confined to, to one trail and you have a lot of concern for safety. Uh, and, you know, if you have a documented case of conflict, which is rare, you know, most conflict, I think, is a perception and, and actual conflict, actual physical, you know, interaction, accidents um, are very, very rare. 
But in, in that case, that could lend you to, to see that maybe something isn't working and a directional trail is, uh, would be of great value. It's in the toolkit here, although it, um, hasn't been tried much. Uh, there is a, just a couple examples. And where those examples are, I think, is um, uh, probably most effective around uh, the sharing of equestrian trails and bike trails, bike or equestrian access and bike access. And it really is a it is a real issue with a horse and 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 a horse's um, you, you know nature and and a horse. You don't want to surprise a horse, right? And you don't want to surprise. Uh, there, there's a really big um, risk factor for a rider that if a horse is 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 um, surprised and and fears for its safety, that it would rear uh, or move suddenly and knock that rider to the ground. It's a it's a fairly long fall from the top of a horse to the ground. It's uh, I mean, shoot, it killed Superman, right? I mean, not good. So um, we we believe that um, if we're talking about a, a trail that is um, in the vicinity of a, an equestrian center, that maybe the directional trail in that case would be um, a really good uh, tool. And, and in that case, if we're talking about sharing with equestrians, that tool would be an uphill trail for bikes. And you know, a, an equestrian would probably have two directional uh, ability on that trail, but a bike would be only uh, allowed to use that trail uphill. You know, obviously it slows the rider down to quite substantially in speed, and um, it would uh, ensure that the horse, the equestrian, knows the direction of the rider, number one, is, is going to be uphill. It's going to be significantly slower. and 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 it's a real, you know, it's, it's the path towards safety in that, in that situation. Um, the other directional uh, trail concept that we haven't really gotten to yet in Marin County, but I, I want to see it happen, and we are advocating for it. And there is a couple opportunities that we're starting to, to drill in on with our land manager would be a directional downhill for, tra- for bikes. It has been made, um, you know, it's made its way into the policy document for our road and trails plan. And so when we're looking at developing a, a trail system, we are advocating to try it, to do a downhill uh, trail, like a flow style trail, purpose-built bike trail. And what, what that would do in this case, it would take traffic off of a, another trail system that, that bikes would be used to using, whether it be a fire road or a multi-use trail. Currently, they may be on that trail going both directions and having more uh, engagement with other users. Well, if you create a directional trail, A, it serves a huge need. Like bikers want that. <laughs> they, they want that downhill freedom, you know, to, to increase their speeds. You know, normally speed limits here are around 15 miles an hour max. Bikes love to go faster, right? So. Having a place to do that, number one, with a directional trail where you're not going to have uphill traffic and conflict and safety issue, it's a, it's a really cool uh, thing. You know, they, they did it down in um, Santa Cruz at a, at a demonstration forest down there in the SoCal demonstration forest. The uh, mountain trail stewards of Santa Cruz were able to build a flow trail, and it's a, it's a four-mile long flow trail, directional downhill trail. I've ridden it. It's fantastic. It's one of the flowiest, funnest trails in, in the entire Bay Area. I want to see that duplicated in Marin County. Again, it takes the, the bike off of another trail. <laughs> it creates a downhill experience where they can let it go. And it also, it can be built appropriately. If you know that you're building a, a downhill flow truck trail, you can um, you can build it appropriately to um, you know mitigate for impact to ensure your water courses are uh, maintained in, in in a natural way but a sustainable way. I think they should go. I think a lot of land managers need to look at the opportunity and, and put it in their toolkit and give it a try. 
Yeah, for sure. The other the other thing I look at when it comes to directional trails is just that user experience, you know, especially for people that come from out of town. You know, we we both know that certain trails just function better in certain directions. And, you know, for a new user, if you if it's a directional trail, you don't have a question of whether or not you should be going up it or down it. You can just follow it. Exactly. You'll know right away if you're going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so well, with that being said, do you have any uh, famous failures that you or your organization has came across? I think this is something this is something that could be pretty funny, something to reflect on, something others could learn from. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a negative famous failure, but something that you know that you that you've just came across. Yeah, um, you know i I've had to mature as a as a bike advocate when I came into this work and, and as a result of those no bike signs, I was pretty young and dumb and enthusiastic and, and, uh, you know, I, I was ready to change it all. But, um, I had to learn that these processes take a lot of time, you know, policies, uh, take, take quite a bit of time, takes relationship building, and 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 uh, hard work and and many 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 uh, meetings one both one on one and in the public uh, forum to get this stuff done. So a uh, you know my inexperience got the best of me when it, when I you know had a sharp tongue and you know I knew I want what I wanted was right. I felt I had a righteous you know goal, but how to go about it was definitely unrefined. In fact. Uh, I, I, there was a famous equestrian uh, here in my neighborhood who, you know, anti-bike access and and didn't believe bikes could share, you know, in any on any trail. And uh, she was very active in the public meetings and had quite a reputation locally. And uh, there was a time that I saw her and her horse. Uh, not just her horse, she was riding a horse and she was towing another horse so she could exercise it. But it was in the middle of winter and the situation was, was soaked, saturated soils. And you could actually see her hoof um, sinking into the, her, the horse's hoof, sinking into the, the soil uh, five, six inches, post-towing its way up, up this fire road that uh, I was responsible for managing on a, on a private estate. And I, man, I got all fired up and I, and I, you know, I just, I knew how wrong that was. So I went out and uh, followed her and took a lot of pictures and, you know, and, and expressed my disappointment and just, you know, just, and well, I got the sheriff called on me and uh, the sheriff showed up and said, uh, you know, I'm I'm following up on a report that uh, you've been harassing the local equestrians, and and you know what is going on, and you know I <laughs> I explained myself, and it, and I was embarrassed, and and it took a while, you know, to talk talk it down, and and once the sheriff had determined that it was private property, I had a real responsibility. He was fine fine with me, but uh, I I I really did <laughs> walk away from that thinking, hmm. There's probably a better way to handle that. Uh, I was in the right, but but you know, uh, direct confrontation of users that you you know are opposed to biking maybe isn't the best step. You know, there's a there's a fairly uh, well um, published uh, bike right writer here in our area uh, named Kurt Geinsheimer, uh, Geinsheimer, and he um, there's a quote of his that. Uh, <laughs> that I, I like to um, lean back on because it's so true in this case, you know, social change, what happens one funeral at a time. And I, uh, I, I think of that quote and I, and then I realize that this person who I engage with is gone. She's passed on. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta wait. <laughs> sometimes you just, you know, uh, some things do change on their own. And, uh, uh, that that is one of those things where, in time, some of these personalities do do pass on. And the other uh, good development that we're seeing here and abroad is that um, mountain bikers are making their way into these agencies. And even in the Marine Water District, we now have 
staffers that are working on these plans who are enthusiastic mountain bikers. And that's a, it didn't used to be that way. You know, it used to be us and them. And, and now that line is, is disappearing. And as we, as we get more mountain bikers working for the agencies, they too, you know, can help develop change from the inside. And that's, that's pretty exciting. And that, that's gonna, that's really gonna maybe even help a tipping point at some point for bikes that we've already got the, the social pressure, you know, of our user group and engagement. But as, as things change internally and Kurt Ginsheimer's quote becomes a reality where we might even see a tipping point where things really start to open up for, for our user group. One of the topics I had of this, which this is going to change gear significantly, sort of maybe, okay, is the shirt you have on, which is California Mountain Bike Shirt, California Mountain Biking Association, I believe, or something along those lines. It's a pretty new organization. Let's talk about that in a broader in a broader scheme and how that kind of how you got wrapped into that because I believe you're on that board, correct? Yeah, that's an exciting story. I'm glad you asked me about that, Josh. Um, about three years ago. The, the mountain bike community, we had always gathered it around a, an org, a, a yearly event put on by the California State Parks. And it's a, it's a trails conference where uh, they meet various locations in the state, change it once a year to a new location. And a lot of trail professionals come and discuss their work. There's workshops on trail design, trail mitigation, trail planning user group interaction there's there's a whole slew it's about three days of of um uh, topics associated with recreation and trails so we found that mountain bikers were becoming more and more present at this conference about three years ago we found we we actually set a happy hour up for mountain bikers because it was became such an important opportunity to to get together we we wound up gathering at a local uh, brew pub, and there was over sixty of us gathered at this in this uh, impromptu meeting, and uh, we had a discussion about where things were at for mountain bikers in in California, and what we what was discussed was that there there was some changes afoot, and there were some recent changes where Imba. Uh, who we had been relying on for a lot of the the continuity across the state and a lot of the regional work, um, they had recently, due to some changes internally, they had downsized in California. We had recently lost our California representative for EMBA. And there was a lot of concern amongst this group as to what what would happen next. And out of that conversation, we we there was the realization that we needed a new entity uh, in California to help bind you know to help the organizations in the state all these organizations from northern to southern and up to the sierras and that we needed uh, to be able to have a voice a collective voice that we could bring to sacramento for instance and work on policy you know funding for trails and policy and direct uh, improvements to increase access for mountain biking all of us three years ago, you know, we had already, we were already deep in this big trend and surge of, of mountain biking. You know, you had NICA feeding all of these young riders into the trail system, all these young riders who want trails uh, over fire roads. And, uh, and then you have this uh, trend with e-mountain bikes, you know, we, they're being delivered to us by the industry fast and furiously without a lot of education without any new opportunities, you know, go ride what we're, the mountain bikers are riding. And, and that, but it increased the user group. We're seeing that, but it also increased the age of the user group. So now we're seeing even more uh, slightly elderly, you know, trend in user group. So you got the NICA feeding the youth, increasing that end of the user group. You got the e-bikers and that are enabling people with, lesser fitness or with physical ailments there it's allowing them to go out and use the resource like wow so we're growing this thing from both ends we we we've lost our california uh glue that that bound us so we long story short not very short i guess but we wound up forming the this a core group out of that 60 members a core group of us 
uh, representative of the state, basically formed the California Mountain Biking Coalition. We have uh, met once a week for two years. <laughs> We've met on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. That's coming up in 50 minutes um, today. And we've, uh, we've developed our, our goals, our mission. We've developed our, some initiatives that, that, uh, we are working on and we have hired an executive director. Uh, he's currently part time. We're seeking funding to increase his, uh, work to a full time position, but we are, he's been with us about a year now. Uh, so we were still in the formative, formative stages, but we are really hitting some big landmarks right now. And we are, our organization now can claim 27 bike organizations from across the state of California. We can, we now, th those 27 organizations represent, I believe, over 15,000 mountain bikers that we can, uh, now help, um, be more effective. You know, we can use our collective minds to success stories and failures and, and we can bring that all together and we can work together to uh, work on our successes and our, and our knowledge. You know, how do you get trails? How do you navigate policy? How do you navigate Sacramento? How do you get something, you know, that you, that you want? And, and it's really exciting stuff. And it's also, fueled my desire to keep advocating you know i mean i know i know trail guys uh, advocates by you know uh, that served their bike clubs didn't get a lot done because of you know all the opposition and lack of opportunity they burned out and they just wanted to ride their bikes and you know good for them and they're out riding their bikes right i might have been in the same position you know i had to question where am i going with this Winds in Marin County are slow. Uh, we are moving the needle. I am happy to say we are growing the pie. We are increasing the trail networks. It's glacial though. So, you know, in terms of personal winds, yes, we're, they're there. They're slow and they're far and few between. So helping to form the California entity has really fueled me with, with another reason, you know, to, to continue on and take my local advocacy to the next level and take it to a state platform and, and help others uh, achieve those, you know, their goals. Cause you know, as you know, uh, across the country, we are a growing user group and there's no, there's no end in sight for it. And uh, there just seems to never be enough trail. 2020 was a huge proof of that, you know, and people, across the world just got out in, in numbers, whether it was hikers, mountain bikers, you name it, just people being outside, you know? And so that just reaffirmed the desire for more responsible access into the outdoors. Well, before we wrap this thing up, I always like to ask people where they like to go travel outside of their community, you know, so we can highlight, you know, bring some ideas to other people that may want to go visit some other places. What are some places you've visited that you really liked to mountain bike at that have really, and maybe you've seen some stuff that they've done there and you've brought those ideas back to your community. Yeah. Recently I took a trip to Bellingham, Washington, uh, last summer and I really enjoyed, uh, I, I got to meet with the local trail advocates there. I got to meet with the executive director of the trail advocacy organization there. They have an, an interesting um, situation there where most of their riding has been developed on private timberlands with Galbraith Mountain. And that uh, they have had developed a really interesting relationship where trails are allowed. They're allowed to build their own trails. They build bike purpose trails, flow trails, all sorts of, all sorts of experiences. They also have a strong biking community, uh, a hiking community, excuse me, in, in that location that they coexist with successfully. And they, um, it's interesting that the, the timber company might decide to, um, do a timber cut and the bikes now stay away from a trail system. It gets logged and it might get harmed and they just, it is what it is. They go back, rebuild the trail and they build it better. Pretty interesting. I also rode some of the areas south of uh, the Galbraith system in the state parks there, the Chalkanut Mountain area. 
really awesome trails and, and, and seem to be a good coexistence with uh, other user groups and the state parks and such. Great place. I love to go to Oregon. I uh, love to ride the Bend area. Uh, great trails, a lot of purpose-built trails, a great uh, open community there that sense, seems to really be outdoorsy-minded and people get along well on the trails. Beautiful place. Cool um, cool town with um, great great food, great craft beer and stuff. Just just a fun, fun place to go. I, I like the, in more Southern Oregon, I like the Umqua Trail System. Uh, a lot of people don't tune into that. That's a 75-mile long uh, trail, follows the Umqua River. It may be a downstream uh, trending trail, with, but it's got a heck of a lot of climbing on it. But it's got a lot of real flowy trail that the Forest Service just did an amazing job. If you, if you go to Umqua, though, you got to check on the local um, conditions. There has been fire and there has been a lot of tree fall and some of those areas have been uh, impacted. Uh, a real highlight of mine that uh, is a bit of a dream vacation for me is Colorado and the high country. I really enjoy the Colorado Trail, you know, between um, Denver and, and Durango, particularly the, the 100 miles of trail, you know, heading south into Durango are just world-class riding, much of it over 10,000 feet, almost uh, as high as 13,000 feet in some cases. Skinny trail, you know, very, very minimally built, but, you know, very sustainable trail system, just incredible sights. And, um, and then uh, in terms of, uh, you know, a bucket list destination, a little, little harder to get to, I would definitely recommend going and riding the, the Italian Swiss Alps. <laughs> I, I went with my wife and I early on before we had kids, we treated ourselves uh, to a trip in, in the Italian Swiss Alps that was stunning. And, uh, and talk about just people that learned to get along, you know, uh, they've been doing it hundreds, if not thousands of years longer than us in terms of sharing and uh, the mountain bike community seems to share the trails with not only with other user groups, but with farming, you, you know, you will, you can be riding some incredible trail system and you come across an electric fence and you just walk, step over it. You might have a cow, they might have a bell and they're like, Oh, okay. And, and you think people coexist. It's just a sharing mentality that we seem to struggle with much more here in, in the U S and I, I just, and not to mention, you could spend all day climbing a, a, a you know five thousand foot grind of a of a of a trail, uh, and lo and behold, get to the top, and there's a hut uh, at the top of the trail with uh, with food and and uh, and beers on draft, and you know, welcoming proprietor, come on in, I'll serve you. I mean, like, wow, these things <laughs> is a whole different uh ex experience there and you, if you could treat yourself to that at least once in your life i highly encourage highly encourage it my wife and i are trying to figure out how we're going to get back so uh we're currently uh we're we're planning in three years we plan to get back to italy and treat ourselves to some of that some of that good european hospitality yeah that all sounds amazing i've heard a lot of good stories out of europe and the just the whole difference of land use and allowing different people across different areas. It does sound like a dream compared to what we've seen. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Well, they, yeah, they, uh, they've also adapted to e-bikes uh, quite quickly and, and um, more openly, I think, than our, our uh, community has. Uh, they're, they're pretty widely present in Europe and in the Alps and in Dol and the Dolomites and they actually have charging stations. You get to go to these huts in the middle of your ride and there'll be an e-bike charging station. They, they not only tolerate the e-bike community, but they, they serve the e-bike community. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, it's one of your, one of your user groups. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Vernon, this has been a, this has been an interview that I've wanted to get for a while. You've, you've been an inspiration to me, you know, between the, stuff you've had on Freehub magazine, the, the movie that came out on you a couple of years ago, all the, and then just paying attention to, you know, how do we get over some of these barriers that we in, encounter in terms of access issues, you know? So 
I appreciate your time a lot. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate your uh, interest in my story and uh, the story of Access for Bikes. Marin County is a very, it's an important story that we need to tell and we need to check in with Marin County. Marin County uh, is, you know, the home of the mountain bike, you know, the, the clunkers. Everyone, everyone knows the story of Gary Fisher and Joe Breeze and Otis Guy and Charlie Kelly and Alan Bonds and all these guys out there modifying bikes and, and uh, riding Mount Tamalpais and uh, it, it was freedom then. They could ride every trail, every road they wanted to. They, uh, you know, they, unfortunately, they didn't have an access group, an advocacy organization. So when the, uh, when some concerned citizens called, called BS to the, to the land agency, the land agency had a knee jerk reaction and almost, and shut it, pretty much shut it all down. And we've been crawling our way back from then ever since. So, Marin County is important to, as the home of the mountain bike and the home of these these strong conservation organizations. It's uh, we can we can be a a, te- a case you know that um, can be studied and, and applied across our country, and but we need to re we need to check in with us here because because it's important you know it's important to know how we're navigating how we're doing and if we're if we're overcoming, you know, these, these, uh, these hurdles that, that have come our way that for, for better or worse, for fair or not, you know, they're there. And, um, here we are lucky us. We get to navigate it. Yep. The resistance is real and, and we can definitely learn from it and, and move forward. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>